<laughs> hey, sorry. Let's let's get this show started. You are now about to witness the awesome uh, crushing might of U.G.S. Robinson show Let me adjust things so it looks less sketch. Yes, and yes, I got the timing wrong. Stop it! Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly never ends. Oh, it is, Mr. Seth. This is a, a version of one, seven, uh, uh, eight of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Singing us in as he has since 2007. Bob Riley from the band Stigmata. The record is called The Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. Still available. From Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and get rid of their pro tem mayors. I own the record. If you want to come direct to me, you can do that too. Or listen to it free on the internet. It's a great record. But there's a reason I chose it. Listen. Listen well. I'm going to get organized. But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right. All right. Somebody who uh, 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 doesn't know me as well as you all do, uh, in a lot, lot of ways knows me a lot better, uh, saw the show for the first time, didn't make it all the way through, but uh, their commentary was like, hey, uh, you're nuts, right? L- let me change the intonation on that. There was no question mark at the end after right. It was a statement of fact in in their minds. Not as a negative, just like water, wet, sun, daytime, crazy, show stomper. (laughs) Nice. Mr. B is here. All right. Yeah, I've been meaning to respond to your text and uh, got sidetracked, sir. Uh, I will get to it. Um, so, um, that, that was the, the, some, yeah, somebody who knows me from the outside. And and I have to say, 
having having met some of y'all in person, like in real life, <laughs> that's not near. It's there's perfect. There's a perfect one to one correlation in the consistency. It's not any different, right? Like when I met Vic Rodriguez from Bloody Elbow, it wasn't any different. Like we, it was like just, it was like just a fourth dimension to it, right? And uh, but there are people who who are are, are uh, crypto uh, viewers of the show, and I don't know this. They're also maybe Oxbow uh, into Oxbow or, or whatever. So one cat comes up to me at a show, and I've told the story before. Don't Donna Shalala let me. I'm just telling you that I I, I that I know this right. <laughs> that I know I may have told it already, and that I'm not going senile. I'm letting you know that. So uh, um, I start talking to the guy. We're talking about shit, and he kind of in a casual way mentions fighting, which should have been a red flag for me. It should have been a notification that there's a possibility he. But the guy, uh, I start telling the guy a story, and I see the telltale signs of eyes glazing over. And I pull back, and I kind of stop, and the guy goes, yeah, you, I, I listen to the show. It's like, man, you, you could have told me that before. I just saved you the, the time. I was like, so I, and I stopped. You know, he already knew the story. Um, so, yeah, man. Yeah, you know what? There, there are honest people out there. There are honest people out there who give, like, who have, you know, who have a bigger profile than I do and watch the show. Um, Mr. DT, I said I'd watch your podcast. Sorry, I didn't get, I've had family issues this week. I didn't get to it. Gonna do it. Gonna do it. It's not so much that I lie. It's just I say things that don't come true. So, um, so, so anyway, let, let's get to the commercials and so we can blast into the show. Commercials are... Pinko95014 at yahoo.com if you want to PayPal money. If you want to send it like Tommy Pounds, Tommy LB, you just do it the old-fashioned way through <clears throat> through the postal box, which I've given before. I will not do it again because I don't feel like typing. Uh, uh, if, if you know, you know. Uh, PayPal, uh, Cash App, Venmo, I gave those last week. Go back to the show and, and I think maybe I put them in the in the in the in the chat, which I figured out how to re-enable. Um, or you go to patreon.com slash uh, uh, patreon.com slash the stomper or stomperville. Uh, um, but uh, 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 no, nah, I don't think so uh, <laughs> because you know these guys they're dependent on they're dependent on their shows to eat. Now, I am dependent on this show to eat, but I'm also the kind of cat that if I was starving to death, I would starve to death with my last breath and blame you for the starving, and I would live for that. No, the death metal shirt's not out yet because I still got nine nine of these unsold, and I'm not going to make any of the death metal shirts. The cool thing is that the guy from that band, Ghoul, is making up the shirts, is making up, the, is actually come up with a pretty good death metal, black metal design for Oxbow. So uh, that would be Scott Bryan. Also made the mugwump for uh, Naked Lunch, the movie with Peter Weller. And so I think it was Peter Weller. And, and uh, so he's on it. And I didn't know this until he showed up at the Lydia show. So there is that. So uh, so now you got the commercials, got the commercials out of the way, got the lead in. And um and yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We'll get to the, we'll get to the, we'll get to the fights. But first of all, somebody said something, and we touched on it a, a bit ago. And they said, well, yeah, you talk about evil, you talk about murder, what made murder wrong, or, you know. We got around to talking about Dante's Inferno, and I kind of, um, I, I kind of 
dismissed it. And I said, well, you know, everybody reads the Inferno, they read Purgatorio, but very few people have read Paradiso. And there's got to be, but but listen, listen, this is like the, this was it, Stephen's Supreme Court definition of pornography. We don't know what it is, but we know what it is when we see it, right? The, the made-up speech from at the beginning of Pulp Fiction where you talk about, you know, the, path, the right path of the righteous, righteous man. I don't know, I don't know from shit about righteous. I don't know anything about righteous, right? Like, um, it's like when I had that moment with LeVay where I was trying to get him to put his fingers or hands around evil, and he was just like, well, this doesn't, not, what doesn't, you know, doesn't, what doesn't feel good? And I go, well, you know, root canals will feel good, but that just doesn't make it, make it evil. All right, so a so good would be very simply, good is what feels good. Yeah, that's not, that's not. You know, I've punched many a person in the face, and that felt great. And yet, I recognize that that might be substandard behavior on my part. Depend. I don't hit. I don't believe I hit anybody who didn't deserve it. Or to quote the immortal ACDC, I never shot somebody that didn't carry a gun. Uh, so, so that's that's just a barely fun- functioning entree into into the nature of good, right? Now, now I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, at the end of one of the shows before I talked about the difference between say a cock block and a cock assist. And so we come close to it when we, a cock assist is when you offer aid with no, with no, with no expectation of return. The kind of thing that you might say to someone or in your head, ah, just to be a good guy. Well, the fact that it doesn't cost you anything is, is, you know, I gave that homeless guy a dollar. What you're saying really is that that dollar is largely insignificant to me outside of the fact that what I purchased is this general feeling and confirmation that I'm a good guy. It's a, it's a cheap kind of good. I'm, I'm talking about what's elementally good. What you open up the book and you just see good. That's what I'm talking about. When you open up the book and you see good. Like what is... It, it, and, and it's a complicated, it's a complicated calculus, right? And um, eh, I'm, I could, I could, sh- I could take a shortcut there, but I'm not going to because that's not what we do at Show Stomper. So, if those of you had in the in the scant minutes between when I sent out the new newsletter, which means when I just finished the newsletter, I don't copy edit this stuff. If you see typos, let me know. Um, it, in the scant minutes before I sent the newsletter and, and you got it and I started the show, which means I finished it, sent it, then did the, the tech stuff to get this show going, sent it, I realized that it was fundamentally a meditation on, on, on good, right? And I did, I did, I've done several book tours. I did a book tour for the fight book of the US and Europe. That was a blast. The bet, my favorite moment about the Euro- European thing was I pull into a gas station like in Cardiff, England, get get petrol, and I, I I'm at the pump, and I see this guy with cauliflower ears. I'm like, bro, where are you going? <laughs> and the guy like, you know, well, I was an American, so I get like I get some, some some depth, and he goes, oh, I'm gonna, I go, you you train clearly, right? And I go, look at this, and I reach into the car and I pull out the book. I go, hey, are you going to be at the reading tonight? And he's like, nah, <laughs> I, okay, what, what fight team? So I'm talking to this guy. I got his information somewhere. That was like my favorite thing. And un- people who know me will know how 
amazing what happened next is I gave him a book. I gave him a fight book. Yeah. I don't think a lot about generosity, but when I do, I never think of Eugene. <laughs> gave him a book. Now, I, the guy was like from Soviet, from Georgia, uh, not the U.S. Georgia, Russia, Georgia, um, or Armenia or something like that. I have no idea if the guy was any good, but I'm like, gas station, gas station. I got to give it. God wants me to give this guy a book. So I gave the guy a book. Never heard from him again. That's okay. That was my favorite moment from that tour. So uh, uh, and that was in Europe. Got stopped by the cops going into Nuremberg, which is completely hilarious because they don't stop you the way they do here. You don't know this. This is like the, 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 the Pulp Fiction thing. It's the little things. Like in America, if you're on the highway, the freeway, and the cop wants to stop you, they pull behind you, they hit you with the flashes. Normal. What, what happened in Germany is that the cop pulls in front of you and he turns on his flashes. And I'm driving along and saying, man, they're after some fucker now. Poor son of a bitch gets stopped by the highway patrol in Germany. He's fucked. <laughs> hey, man, when's this guy going to pull him over? You're going to end up have to shoot that guy. Fucking shoot that guy. That guy was not. And then he leans out the window and he points at me like you. you. I was like, oh, shit, it's me. <laughs> so I pull over. I'm wearing a suit, you know, protective. And uh, it, I get out and the guy's like, what are you doing? So what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm driving. <laughs> He's like, we're an American. Yeah, I'm an American. Where, where are you driving to? I said, I got a show in town. What kind of show? I go, ah, what kind of show? And I pull out the fight book and I go into my sales pitch and I'm like, and then the guy's trying to get away. I might as well have said, have you ever thought about making money while you sleep? Can I interest you in any Amway products? Scientology, you know, there's something to it. Any of those things, the guy, you could see at this point, the guy is trying to, and he's younger than me, right? So I'm like, hey man, are you, tra are you training? You, you need to. And so <laughs> like at this point now, they were just going to shoot me just to get away. Right. So they fuck off. And that was a good moment. Good, good moment as well. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Accepted Jesus as your personal savior. That's another one, you know. So these were these were good moments. But I get back after this tour and then I did a tour for a it was so successful in which I probably made my share of Oxbow. Well, that's not true. Oxbow is making a lot of money now, but I would made what used to be our share of my my 25 percent just in books. All I had to do is lug books around. It was disorienting, spend that much time alone, but you know, it was all right. So uh, I, I take the, a long, slow screw, my novel, I do a tour on that. I don't do a tour on the play. It doesn't seem to make any sense. But I noticed something after one of the tours, I felt like a fraud. And I felt like a fraud because the narrative, the narrative of all of my stories and so at first I was like, well, the audience can read. They don't need me to read from the books. And plus, I don't want to lose the icon. Then they're just watching a version of TV. If I'm reading, 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 I'm looking at you. Huh? Yes, I did. So, um, you know, I go, I'm not going to tell. I know I wrote the book. I know the stories. from, And I'm going to tell stories around the book. Stories that were in, that somehow inspired the book, like I, the I killed a man chapter, you know, stories I know intimately, but they weave themselves into stories. So now I'm a raconteur. I'm telling stories. But then I realized all the stories trended toward the same sort of thing. 
And it harkens back to me talking about punching people in the face. I was always sure, and it wasn't conscious, I was always sure that I did what I did just now when I introduced the punching in the face to you by saying that I had a reason to punch them in the face. I just said that I never shot nobody that didn't carry a gun, implying that there was a reason to, because I want to seem like a good guy. You have to, you have to resist the temptation of what happens when you step in front of a microphone and, 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 and you, you have an audience, and that is to be appealing. In general, you wouldn't be make it as far as you did if you were completely unappealing, unless you're totally unappealing, like either Costas, C-O-S, T-E-S, and uh, Gigi Allen, who both were distinguished by eating their own shit on stage. You got to just push it off the edge of the pier if you want to be unappealing. Everybody else, I mean, I see Rollins' uh, spoken word now. It's like stand-up. You got to resist the temptation to be, if I'm amusing by passing, that's fine. So then I said, well, I'm going to start telling stories. I, I need to either have a more honest appraisal of myself, like the woman said to me at Intel once in the hallway, this older black lady I used to walk by and I would say, hey, hey, I was just excited to see her. Not that many black people at Intel, you know, I was like, hey. And one day she finally, she was always reading a Stephen King book and she said to me, you're either a really nice guy or totally out of your mind. I was like, or both, or both. There's a possibility, there's another possibility. So, so I said, I wanna tell an accurate story. I want there to be a one-to-one -one correlation so that when the guy sidles up next to me in the bar, he's not like, Man, that guy's, you know, I like the Greek guy I train with says, man, what, you know, what, what's the thing with you in authenticity? Because then I don't know anything. I don't know water. Is it wet? Is it, is heat, is it hot? I don't know. Yep. I don't know. So, um, so, so. <laughs> So I, I, I mean, I, I start to think I'm going to tell stories that with an act of concentration are as accurate as I can make them. And if I had done that at the beginning of this show, I would tell you that I have punched people in the face who probably didn't deserve it. Just because I ask you, just because I ask you, would you like me to strike you in the face like I did in Belgium? Just because I ask you that, that doesn't give me carte blanche to say, after the guy says, do what you got to do, slap. But this is no surprise. This is no surprise. Not the best guy in the world, not the worst, just an average guy, which is not true. Average guy probably doesn't think about this. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Don't die. Uh, so, uh, so, so I said, okay, all right, all right. So, a good, a, a good man. What, what is it? What, what, what is it? What, what is it? What does a good man do? Not in regards to face punching, but just in general. So, if you read the Substack, it means I talk about something I made in passing on this show. I said that I was at jujitsu training and there's some guy there and I'm looking at this guy and he looks familiar and familiar and familiar and familiar to me. I'm looking at him, looking at him, like, what the fuck? 
And then finally, at the end of training, I got goosh. It was Judge Judge Aaron Persky, the judge in the Brock Turner case. And so I come up to dude on the mat and I say, uh, I had just been making a joke about the size of my crank. I might be doing that. I put that in the article because it was true. Otherwise, you, you know, oh, this wise journalist, he's an August member of the community. He's involved in athletic activity. No, I was joking about the size of my crank. I don't know what the joke was. I just remember thinking afterward, wasn't that funny <laughs> that even given this guy's life problems connected with, to, with the sexual that he was still, I still managed to, a good cock-sized joke, still managed to make him laugh. Now, I, I incorrectly attributed to Aristotle. It wasn't Aristotle. It was a, 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 a woman writer. I think Mary Wollenkraft, who said, no man consciously does evil. I mean, everybody's got a reason. So everybody's involved in this minute editorializing that 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 somehow that somehow is exculpatory. It's it's a living, breathing testament to yeah, but yeah, but yeah. What about twelve million twelve million you know dead people and yeah, but you know yeah, but you know what what about the, the killing? Yeah, you know, but. Eh. You don't, you don't, yeah, but everybody's got, got, got some line of, of a happy patter that they tell themselves about who they are and how they proceed and walk through space that somehow, somehow makes them feel good about themselves. So I talk about that in the substack. I talk about Persky. I talk, because there are all these intersecting plates that a lot of people don't know about. Like the fact that, I mean, you got to read the Substack. I, I don't want to repeat it but um, or cheat it, but everybody in that piece, Brock Turner, the, the, the water polo player, Stanford water polo player who was accused of raping this woman whose name has now been revealed as Chanel Miller. Um, his father wrote a letter in regards to sentencing and goes, it seems a shame to ruin a young man's life. This is a, a rough paraphrase for just a few minutes of fun. To which I say, can I borrow your anus for a few minutes of fun? And you can take whatever knockout drops you like so that you don't know it's happening, but you would know it happened. Just a few minutes of fun. Maybe your underwear is on backwards and you wake up with lipstick on, but it's only a few minutes of fun. I find America's America's attitude about rape really dishonest. Like Peter Sotos, who wrote the book Total Abuse from his magazine Pure, says he thinks that America is fundamentally dishonest about how much they care about children. He makes a claim that people don't give a fuck about children. They just feels like something they should say. Based on the numbers of exploited, abused, missing children, I'd have to say that Peter Sotos might be right. So, so, uh, so Persky, if you, for those of you who are not familiar with the case, and there are links in, inside the article, Persky gives his cat three months in jail for a sexual assault. 
She was passed out drunk. He's fingering her by a dumpster over on campus and uh, is trying to fuck her, get stopped by a Swedish guy or Scandinavians, uh, uh, Scandinavians uh, of some kind, Danish, Swedish, I don't know. They chase him, they catch him, they hold him for the cops, they arrest him, the guy go, goes to trial. His, his entire life is now flushed down the drain, drain, kicked out of Stanford, you know, a pariah, the whole bit. I'm not, this is not a plea for mercy. I don't give a shit about this guy. I don't know him, don't care. He, so you do the crime, you serve the time, serve the time, you do crime. And then Persky gives him three months. Three months. I got guys, I got guys in jail doing road crew for three months for speeding tickets or and or parking tickets. Now it doesn't it doesn't help that you start to think if Brock Turner was not an Ivy League guy, if Brock Turner was not a Stanford, Stanford guy, Stanford's not technically Ivy League. If he wasn't an athlete, Persky himself was an athlete. It was lacrosse, class of 84. I was rugby, class of 84. Worked out in the varsity weight room, knew these cats, had football player friends, knew the delts, you know. I know in I know in between 1980 and 84, rape was a competitive sport at the Delt House. There was no internet then. What the fuck were you gonna do? High school girls with fake IDs were showing up, getting shit put in their drinks. Uh, uh, one of my last girlfriends at Stanford went to a freshman mixer at the Betas, was drugged and fucked. Decided to just play it off afterward, like, oh, I got so high last night, and, you know, I know the cat who fucked her. Sorry for the language, if you have children in the room. You know, this is a scene from Apocalypse Now. Is he a good man? Is he an evil man? Who's going to tell that story? Me? Wrong! Brock, Brock, uh, uh, Persky gives Turner three months. Then they start a recall effort. What people don't know is I believe, I didn't put this in the piece because I didn't have time to research it. I believe from Silicon Valley rumor mill that Persky's wife is Asian. The woman who was raped was Asian. Uh, they also, the community is riven. Like her friends are turning on her, social contacts. I'm amazed that she hasn't gotten divorced yet uh, 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 from uh, Persky. But the dude, the dude is like, it, and he sues the people who did the recall effort. He loses. He's got to pay them back $168,000. He's like drummed out, loses a job, even though he's got plenty of legal people who support him. Say, look, if the judiciary is afraid of getting recalled every time they make a decision, what kind of decisions are they going to make? Right ones? I don't know. Loses his gig, finally, you know, blows over a couple of years go by, tries to get a job. Yeah, I guess he likes tennis. He tries to get a job a, uh, uh, coaching girls tennis at some private school around here, um, you know, at, uh, uh, and, they, and, they, and they figure out it's him, and they drum him out of a job. And then he shows up at Sorrell. Ah, there we go, Roma Raider. Nice to see you. And so we train, and as he leaves, I go over and I tell Sorrell, this was the dude, and he's like, and I talk, I give the conversation in the in the article. So read the substack. But Sorrell says, you want him to come back because you want to fuck him up. I go, no, he's got plenty of being fucked up. 
And so the reality of it is, even if he had been convicted of the of 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 the of the of the crime himself, he probably would have been out of prison. Given the the, the horrible state of, of of how people treat sexual assault in America. So you know, uh, and I, and if I talk about it for Michael Vick, and I talk about it for Mike Tyson, I got to talk about it for Persky. How long are you going to punish this guy? I don't know. I don't know. But I go through. I go through. You know, uh, the problems I had at Stanford were just being like, you know, nineteen eighty. What the fuck are you doing here? What are you doing here, mud man? What are you doing here? <laughs> and tie it in. But through it all is a meditation on what. What, what qualifies, and I talk about the minor threat song, sometimes good guys don't wear white. It's a good guy. My perception, which I probably share with Hitler, is that I'm a good guy. Though, does a good guy sleep with, his, uh, with a good friend's ex? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 you hang around with Tom Metzger, you, you know. Um, how about that? All right, all right. How about this? Does a, does a good man sleep with the wife of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a guy he knows? Not a friend. I would actually say, I would actually say, that what makes somebody good, I know plenty of people who are good people, who I can't stand. Yes, yeah, circumstance. Who are good people. What I like is reliability. Friend of mine breaks up with his girlfriend, and he tells me, hey, Eugene, could you wait at least six months before having sex with my ex? And I was like, would you like me to never have sex with your ex? He goes, actually, yes. I go, I'm no animal. Most people wouldn't say that, but you've said it. We're friends. That's it. Now, I know a guy who's listening to, I told you about him. He's a guy who I ended the week, the last week's show, who's moving into his mansion that he's now turned into a house of prostitution where he's the only customer. And he's the guy who's talking to a guy who's complaining about having broken up with his girlfriend. He's, huh? You broke up with your girlfriend? And as he's, the guy's complaining to him about, he's like, uh-huh, yeah. He's texting the dude's girlfriend. <laughs> now, some people would think that that was shitty, substandard behavior. But it was predictable behavior. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Very predictable behavior. I put, if Popeye was still alive, I put the hamburger on the floor, I go into the other room. I understand that Popeye will eat that hamburger. I prize predictability because it means I have some real understanding in the world of circumstance, what somebody will do and what they won't do. I remember I was in a famous guy's dressing room, just hanging out, talking to him. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't know what I'm about to say was exactly true. Right? So I'm in his dressing room and he says, I got to go do something. And I could see him thinking, like, I don't really know Eugene that well. Do I leave him here? He seems like a good guy. But then uh, do I leave him here with the, with the wallet? 
or do I or do I make can I, is it weird if I ask him to leave the dressing room so I got locked? Because I'm not making any moves to leave because I gotta and he says it a couple of times. I start to think, well, should I get up and go? And then I finally say, Should I you want me to leave? He's like, No, no, stay. But I could see just this whole thing. And I think I don't even remember what he eventually does. Maybe he takes his wallet with him, or maybe he leaves it. I don't remember. So uh, um so he doesn't know this, but anybody with a, a deeper cursory understanding of who it is that I am, you could leave a, a $500,000 piled on your table. I'm not going to steal your money. It doesn't make any sense to me. I steal your money. Somebody steals my money. I would be upset if somebody stole my money. I understand you being upset. I understand it. Well, Eugene, can't you apply that logic to the guy, you know, if somebody slept with your wife, wouldn't you be upset? I say, hey, well, when we talk about people, we're talking about different things. Money's a thing. We're talking about people. People do all kinds of things that are counter to your interest. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them bad. If you read a long, slow screw, there's a great scene where the guy is patting his leg and he's saying to his, uh, he's saying to Ruby Red, I think is the character's name, like, come and sit on my lap and tell me what's wrong. And as she's sitting down on his lap before her ass touches the, 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 his, his trouser leg, she says, I've been, having friend, I've been having sex with your friend Steve for the last 12 months. And he stands up. He stands up so fast that she falls to the floor. Now, I stole that scene from real life. Didn't happen to me. She was a killer. She looked at him, and as she sat down, she didn't like the patronizing leg pat, you know, oh, tell daddy what's wrong. Oh, what's wrong is I've been having sex with Steve for the last 12 months, and I feel bad about it. Aren't I a good person because I've now confessed this to you? Is that wrong? Was she bad? Now, in A Long Slow Screw, she was, Ruby Red was, a, was you know, <laughs> it was like John Dahl's movie with that woman, who, Linda Forentino. She's a bad woman. But in real life, come home and find a sausage where a sausage shouldn't be. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If life has taught you, and look, I, the guy's complaining about his ex to me, and then his ex seeks me out and starts messing around with me. And then so during the day, I got to hear the guy complain about it. I'm 16 years old or 15 years old. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> ah, ah, it's Mr. Ryan Merrill. Anyway, you're paying it to a bank account that I'm going to pay you out later on the mat, buddy. <laughs> so you have to be expensive. What what doesn't feel good to you, even if there's a perpetrator lined up, doesn't mean that that person is wrong or bad or not good. These are kind of facile definitions, but I have to say, you gotta, you gotta. We're trying to get to what it is that a good person does. Ultimately, it will redound to understanding why the bald one is not a good person. Yeah, Sorrell was actually texting me during the show. It's like, well, I got enough for you. All right. <laughs> So, um, so a, uh, um, I can see my car from here. People loitering about my car. So, um, so, so, so what's a good person? Well, you have what's situational. 
Well, okay, it doesn't cost him. Ah, you know, I help old lady across the street, help her with the groceries, help her in her car. Ah, you know, gen generally acts of selflessness can be, I think, widely. If we're like a buddy of mine was like, man, I'm having these trouble with women. I said, let's let's come up with five rules that five categorical rules that will keep you from having a hard time with women. Based on um, uh, no, he didn't. Based on based on what you've told me and what we've experienced, he goes, okay, smelly, you're out. Anybody who's smelly doesn't have enough sense to deal with their own. Some people can have an off day every now and then, whatever. So smelly, okay, he didn't like hairy women. That's fine. You know, he's Sicilian, grew up with, doesn't like it. That's fine too. Uh, um, so, you know, number three, so smelly, hairy. Um, and there were five, right? We call them the, the rules of five. And I and and I think if you want to apply it similarly to to case, okay, I think we should start with a basic understanding of good is well, th things that are no direct benefit to you, but th th that generally generally make others feel good. Selfless acts of giving. I help you. I help you with the, my groceries. You know. I, I, I you know. I, I it doesn't cost me anything. I don't. Maybe it, even and it's not cheapened by the fact that maybe I'm doing it to make myself feel better. It's a it's a win win. I help you with your groceries. It makes me feel better. Everybody's ahead. Even above that, and that only presents itself as circumstances might allow it to present itself. Even 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 outside of that, I I still prize predictability over over uh people like some kid i saw a kid in the park today took my kid to the park uh took my kid to the park saw this guy i know from jujitsu at the park he's got his kid and his kid you know he's funny a really cute kid he's a jujitsu kid too i think he's like i don't know how old people are anymore his kid's like eight he came to me said eugene when he found out that i'm going to be coaching the kids class one day a week I said eugene yeah why did your knife drop out of your gi that one time I said, well, Oliver, very simply, I had the knife on my gi when I stepped on the mat, forgot it was there, and during a roll, it fell out. And the great thing about kid is, kids, when you give them a completely truthful answer, no matter how crazy it is, they understand it's truthful, and they just understand, like, well, adults are crazy. Like, adults would be like, uh, you know, uh, no, I clipped the knife, a pocket knife, to my gi. He didn't say, like, why do we have a pocket knife? Why would you wear it? Why would you put it on your gi? Would you? Eh. He's just Eugene lives in a different world, I guess. Eugene's predictable. Predictable. That buddy of mine once said, Eugene, you could do anything. I said, man, don't ever say that. I, I might need character witnesses. And you got to know that's not true. People have an affinity for things. You leave your money around me, I'm not taking your money. You leave a bank door open, that's another story. It's another story. Bank doors left open and there's a bunch of bags of cash there. I might make out like the Hamburglar and then you don't know. If I ask you if, if you would mind if I punched you in the face, chances are you're doing something annoying and I'm going to punch you in the face. Predictability. I prize that over good because at least I know when the shot is coming. 
Jake LaMotta would say that the reason he was so good is because he had really great peripheral vision and he could always flinch just a little bit before the shot came, taking some of the sting out of it. Good guys, typically, it doesn't even have to be a long view. It's a practice and a process and an orientation. Anytime somebody has accused me of rank shit online, anytime anybody's have accused me, I go, go ahead, prove it. Typically, there's a pattern of behavior. Anthony Rumble, uh, uh, Johnson, you know, patterns. Go ahead. Fine. People, guys, like, ah, you, anything that anybody's ever accused me for online, my attitude is prove it. Go ahead. Because if you know me, you know right away when you hear it that, yeah, he probably did that shit. <laughs> hey, man, I, you know, this is my wife. What? Your wife? <laughs> yeah, he did that. <laughs> Man, I was just staring to mind my own business. The next thing I know, Eugene hit me in the face. He, yeah, he did that. But anything that violates my sense of fair play, nah, 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 nah. It's when you don't have a sense of fair play that you you barter away any possibility of being a good guy. The bald one, that fight was dog shit last night. And I, I didn't say anything. Care, don't care preview, which looks back at the fights that we just saw, but pretty much is the show. It's a preview show. I didn't say anything. I recorded it today, earlier today, right after jujitsu. And they edit it, and it goes up tomorrow. If you follow on Twitter, Steph sends it out. It's up, also up on Bloody Elbow. And I said, I want to see what Steph says. And Steph was like, ah, these were pretty great fights. The difference is, Steph and I went into it. Yes, only for special people, man. If you haven't been invited, what can I tell you? Look at the page, Sunday service. Were you there? You weren't there, Meryl. So anyway, um, uh, uh, Steph, really enthusiastic about it. Why? Why? Well, she didn't expect much, and she got a little bit more than that. So she was happy. This is like the classic Fred, uh, Fred Blassie, Fred, uh, classy, the classic Fred, the classic classy Fred Blassie blast. Say that 10 times fast. Where he said, when you were born, your, your, your parents were happy. Your father wanted a boy and he was happy. Your mother wanted a girl and she was happy. This was a different time. That was humor back in the 50s. I didn't expect anything from the fight and got so much less. Yes, according to some of you on Twitter, hit me to Bahamunde's spinning kick the last five seconds of the round, put out Roosevelt Roberts. I had to watch that. I didn't intend to watch a fight. I was in. I see Bia Malecki get served by the fiery, tiny uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Brazilian uh, fighter. It's great. The uh, 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 Royval Pantoja fight for us jujitsu heads, phenomenal. But everything else was like, 
I want it to die. I want it to die. Listen to Care Don't Care for my take on the on the on the Gastelum uh, uh, Cannoneer fight. That was that was. I felt like I was in so I, no exit. That I the the that play that I was dying that I was dying and and that I was in hell. Some of those fights. And additionally, if you started watching at four o'clock, you know that you weren't finished until 10. Six hours, six hours, six hours. I was there for, and I'm with the kid. I don't subjugate my entire Saturday for that, for two fights. And I watched six hours of it, just had it on in the background. She had varying levels of interest. I remember being into fights with my grandfather. That's how I got into it. His appreciation for it became my appreciation for it. All my daughters have trained. Six hours, the commercials, punishing. And then the final kick in the ass, keep in mind, I watch the fights and then I then, you know, hang out with the wife, put the kid to bed. And then after that, you know, after she goes to sleep, then I'm reading the news, right? Like I'm reading the news about the fights. And somebody comes up with the salaries. And that is the final thing. Not only am I depressed now because I six hours, and not only do I know when I talk about John, we talk with John Nash, who the financials columnist for Bloody Elbow, and he gives me a breakdown on how they made money hand over fist this year. And they got fighters that are, that Misha Tate uh, is broke again. That uh, dude says, uh, what's uh, a cannoneer in the press conference says, I got to fight because I'm broke. I'm broke. And then you see how much he got for the fight. It was like $130,000. It was not more than $200,000. And you know the thing about the tax system in America? You know that you do know that money is gone, right? He got paid Sunday, and that money is gone. Listen, uh, I know there's all of this talk, predictable talk, about how, about how, if Mr. Marcus style, you knew what the job was when you took it. Don't want it? Don't do it. And this circles back to the discussion about poop on a plate. You might need $1,000, and I might offer you $1,000 to, to eat poop off of a plate, but I'm not a good guy if I do that. That is not what good guys do. Not at all. And they even said, the commentary, they said something, I felt like that line from, from, from Raging Bull, like, you yourself don't know what you yourself just said. So well, there are a lot of reasons why people might fight. <laughs> there should really be only one reason. It's a job, right? It's a job. And typically, how do you distinguish a job from slavery? One, you get paid. Now, a good guy, and though they threaten me with lawsuits for telling the fucking truth, and when they saw they couldn't get tough with me because I keep records and keep all this stuff, then they got my soft spot, the CBS lawyers. and like, you really want to hurt these people? Do you really want to hurt? I thought they were your friends. Ugh. 
That yo, that's why that guy gets paid the big bucks. He hit me with the friend. Somebody wants to say, you're gonna do business in Italy and you're gonna start waving around contracts, that will get you nowhere. You do business in Italy and things get kind of dicey, you say, I thought we were friends. Fuck it. Hey, God, man, I don't want to hurt Scott Coker. Why? Because Scott Coker's been a good guy to me. As a journalist, I've never been treated the way Scott Coker did. There was food for the media, special things you get, and after, you're feeling pretty good compared to Abu Ghraib, the way you're treated by the media, by the, by the bald one, day and night. You start, I don't know if Coker is a good guy, but, and you never know until like the, the line from the Oxbow song says, till that front door slam and that back door, to that front door slam and that back door lock. And it's just you and him and his naked cock <laughs> and his lumpy cock, sorry. <laughs> then you know whether it's a good guy or not. Until then, you don't know. He seems like a good guy to me. I got fed, I got treated nicely, had a nice seat, no confusion, nothing. The process with the oopsie was like it was designed to make you feel bad. Designed to make you feel bad. For what reason? Like people arbitrarily decide at no cost to themselves, decide to do solids just because it makes them feel good. For some people, that doesn't make them feel good. And in other words, like the guy Scrooge, if you remember, if you read the, I think, I, I swear to God, this was in the original one, that uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, one of the things he would do is he would have a frying pan and he would heat up coins. And when the kids would come around seeing Christmas carols, wanting coins, and then he would throw the, the, the red hot coins out the window to the kids and, and then watch them try to pick up the hot money. At the end of the day, he's still out of that money, but it, it meant more to him to, call, to make that an exchange of misery. At one point when I was running Skull Game, one of the guys reviewed in, what was an increasingly gonzo level of porn. And he, and he was like, you know, everybody at Skull Game had their thing, like Steely, Steely, uh, Steely Rob. Any anal videos, give it to Steely Rob. The Flying Dutchman, anything with uh, transgendered people in it, he was, he was in. You know, uh, everybody had their own thing. I reviewed, I just, I reviewed under the name uh, 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 Vinnie Rose. I said, whatever nobody else wants, I'll take. Italian Sal, one of the other reviews, Judge Roy Bean, Hot Box. These were some of, the, some of the names of some of the writers who want to preserve their real life careers. So they use fake names, including me. So, 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 so the guy, the guy, I forget his, I know his real name, but he was reviewing some of the Gonzo stuff. Some of the stuff put out by the meat holes guys where the point of the thing is not sex, but just to make the person who you're fucking in the video miserable. Miserable. And at one point he was like, don't send me any more of these. But because in one of the reviews he wrote, he said something very much along the lines of, 
if you hate women this much, why are you making these movies? And I thought, well, that, that's a really simple answer. Because, because, they're making those movies because, because they hate women. <laughs> Not why you, why you making one, they're because they hate women. They hate and they fear them. So fundamentally, that, I've, I've got to stretch that back to the bald one. He could give more than 16%. He could do that. He could pay fighters more than 16%. Like all the other sports, sports avenues. You know, uh, the people at Endeavor, ESPN, they don't need the bad press. Yeah, it's a for-profit corporation, but, you know, it, it depends on how you, you look. Apple made adjustments where people said, you know, you're mining stuff for your phones that is slave labor's digging it out. Whether it was cosmetic or not, they cared enough. They cared enough to make a change. Because keep in mind, these are two things. It's at no cost to you. I helped the old lady with her groceries. What does it cost me? 30 seconds of my time. 30 seconds of my time. If he, if he were to eat, do you know how it would improve people's lives? If he were to give 6% more, 3% more, slippery slope, even at the rate of cola, cost of living. But like the guys who make gonzo porn, or what used to be meat holes is long gone, I think. I think it's been replaced by, by facial abuse, big red and so on. And it comes up because people, they're legal filings. They're not making. It's like, like if the guy, the reviewer, who's uh, the Argent, uh, uh, the the Argentine was the, the reviewer's name, and he said, he said, because he was actually from Argentina, that hence the name. He said, if you if you hate women so much, why are you making these movies? And he's like, well, he's missing the point. It's because they hate women that they were making these movies. And so I have to extend that to the bald one. It's because he hates fighters that he's doing it. Because if you liked fighters, you wouldn't do it. I'm not even going to talk about the fights yesterday because the veneer, the stink of fighter hatred was all over it. All over it. All over it. Up to and including the fact that I don't even believe the Baldwin was there. He didn't show up. Why? Why? I got something to do. You know where he was? He was probably watching the Pacquiao fight which I understand was a much better fight. The fact that Pacquiao was retiring and fighting in his back and he's fighting, that to me is also sad. If I had $180 million, do you think you would see me again? I, I'd be like Batman. You like you might see me in the sky. Go, oh, oh, who's that? Eugene, oh, oh, it's gone. I got stuff I got to do. Got to make my moves. <laughs> So, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That, it, to me, to me, there's nothing complex about good. You may do things that make other humans feel bad. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a good person. It may be value neutral. I could see how you would feel that way. I think you're overreacting. 
<laughs> you know, you might not like me having sex with your mother. It doesn't mean your mother wasn't happy. Sometimes it's not about you. But the fact of the matter is, in general, there's a, there's a, there's a wonderful simplicity about good stuff. It's stuff that, and also the, the shine of good stuff. It's like Bill Burr talks about how when his, his wife one day he's sweating on the roof doing some roofing, just brings him a sandwich, and he goes, he still thinks about that. Just arbitrary. It's a nice thing. So it it was. His hunger is sated in the first three minutes, but the idea that somebody thought about him for even just a second and gave him something, it's nice. It's nice. That was a, a, a bona fide, definable good. Now, if it was revealed later that she felt was motivated by guilt because she was having sex with his best friend, does it diminish the quality of the goodness of that act? It does not. It does not. Not at all. Generate people feel good in that this glowing thing around them where it's like it's just a series of good things. That's a tractor. The kid has figured out how to turn the tractor on. Let's wait till the tractor stops. It's it's simple. No, no, it's a, it's like a, a toy track. R.I.P. What are you talking about now? All right, so it's quiet again. So, uh, so, so, in, in general, very simple, simple thing, small things. The sandwich here, the peach there, a good thing, just a simple good thing, small things. Like Bukowski has that poem about how it's the small things that you send a man to the madhouse. A shoelace that breaks with. Hey, could you pass me that tractor? Because <laughs> otherwise, the show is just going to take forever for me to wind up with my, my thinking here. There you go. So, so the, the, in general, these are just these are these are. See, it is an actual tractor. Um, it, 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 it is it is it is a small thing that generally makes. People feel good. It's a quality and it's an orientation in the process. Predictably, I might expect it more from people who have done it for me before in the past than not. Does it preclude them from ever doing something to me that I don't like? I don't think so. But it it accrues. It accrues in a very positive way over, over the long term. Good is small. And constant and regular. And it's something that, you know, uh, I like. This is not, this is not what motivates the bald one. This is not. I'm, uh, next week is my birthday. I turned 59 years old. What, what, what JB says right there, Dana, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, watch this asshole. I don't understand that. Of course, I don't have a $36 million beach house. I don't have a $36 million beach house. 
I don't have a multi-billion dollar organization. How many multi-billion dollar organizations are, are, are led by decent guys, good guys? From his point of view, he is a good guy. Look at how many people have been able to buy houses off of what the his administrations. How many people have bought houses? How many people have been able to put their kids through college? Look at the health issues. Look how many people he's taking care of. From his point of view, he's a great guy. Sometimes it's not what you do do, but what you what you could do that you don't do. And generally, if there's anybody walking around who feels like Dana's a good guy, oh, sorry, if there's anybody walking around that feels like the bald one is a good guy, I'd like to hear from you, nut jumpers, and explain to me why. I'm not, I'm not coming at you from a strict anti-corporatist position. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that there are good ways to do it and there are not so good ways to do it. What does a good man do? What do I know? Are people generally happy with me? Sometimes. Am I insofar as possible at no cost to myself doing solids for people who need solids done for them? Sometimes. More or less than the bald one. I guarantee you more. He would say, bullshit, prove it. I got 20 years of putting, giving people lives that allow them to do this and that and the other thing. Okay, you got me on that one. I got a small family. <laughs> a limited number of people who depend on me. I guess I've made them happy. I would hope so. Am I a good guy compared to what? There goes a little track there. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. This is version a one, a, a, a seven. Oh, sorry. A, a eight. One, seven, eight of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. Uh, Monday at afternoon. Yeah, the Dana White thing. Ah, God, the Baldwin thing with his mom is strange, but I don't get along with my father, so who knows. So uh, Monday afternoon, if you're uh, subscribed to uh, Twitter, uh, you will see care. Don't care preview that I alluded to, uh, alluded to is, uh, is, uh, it's coming up. And, um, if you hit the little notification button on this show, you don't have to like be scanning Twitter wondering when's usually going to do the show. It will notify you. And that's a good way. Whether we do the JJB, where the Kasha and I bring back, you kill me. Whatever it lets you know. So the Substack is out. Care Don't Care was recorded this morning. It comes out noon tomorrow. Uh, this show is about to be done Tuesday night. Kid Nate is back. So we do uh, we do half an hour of the special secret metal evolution thing as part of the uh, Let It Roll podcast. And then we do If the Shoes Fit. And that is the week. Hope you don't die. Saturday night's fights, same thing. 14-card fight. Two cares. Sunday we'll have something else to talk about. I'm hoping this thing that I keep teasing that I'll be able to talk about to explain the last two years to you will make sense and that I can get it done. Yeah, thank you. The Substack has been fun to write. Anyway, we'll see you soon. 
Don't die between now and then. And you know what I always say? Look what you made me do! Uh, yeah. <laughs>